And the first Sunday, I preached that we need to have a vision of God. Last Sunday, I preached that we need to have a clear vision of ourselves. And I hope this past week, you've taken time to do some self-examination. Not condemnation, but examination. And sometimes when we examine ourselves, we just kind of stop and say, look what the Lord has done. Not us, but what the Lord has done. And always remember, you know, that God is pleased with you if you're moving in the right direction. You don't have to necessarily have crossed the finish line yet, but keep going in the right direction. And he will keep working on you because he loves you and he's patient and he's trying to make us to live like Jesus. But we know we all fall short, but just keep moving in the right direction. Next Sunday morning, I'm going to be preaching about keeping a 2020 vision of the return of Jesus. Too many these days have forgot that Jesus is coming again. And if you, like me, have been hearing about it for 45 or 50 years, you know, it is, it is easy sometimes just to start living our life and getting involved in our life so much that we forget that, yes, Jesus could return any moment. And that's what I'll be preaching about next week. Today I'm wanting us to look at having a 2020 vision of the lost. 2020 vision of the lost. And we're in a church where I believe most everybody here has a clear vision that people are lost without Christ. And the Bible says Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. A lost person in our terminology is not someone that's trying to get from here to uh, California and can't find their way. It's somebody who is an unbeliever. They don't have Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. And so if I use that term lost, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about unbelievers. There are unbelievers who have chosen to be unbelievers, and there are unbelievers who have no knowledge of Jesus. But there's one thing for sure, and that is that God in His Word has made it clear that as Christians who have become believers and followers of Jesus, a part of that life is to do everything we can to get other people to become believers in Christ. It's not about trying to be right we live in a world where there are many different religions. The major ones we know of, there's Christianity, there's Islam, there's Hinduism, and on and on, uh, Buddhism, and, and many, 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 many more. But it's not that we are Christians and we're trying to prove that we're right to the Muslims. We just want the Muslims to know Christ because the Bible says that he's the only way to heaven. And so we're not going to be flying up to heaven with people that were former Muslims and former Buddhists and flying up in the rapture saying, ha, 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 I told you I was right. <laughs> no, that ain't going to happen. We're just going to be rejoicing. And so it's going to be wonderful. So I want to begin reading the scriptures that I've read every service and this month in Isaiah 6 and 1. Isaiah wrote, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces. With two they covered their feet. And with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And if you've ever wanted to worship God and you just felt like you couldn't find the words, there they are. Just cry out, God, you are holy, holy, holy. Because this isn't only found here, it's also found in the book of Revelations. And these were beings that God created to do this and to say that. So that kind of lets me know he likes it. He enjoys it. 
Well, we need to understand what we're talking about also. He's holy and we're not, but he's making us. He has made us holy through the blood of Christ. Let me, am I allowed? Sometimes, y'all are good? Okay, just want to make sure it's uh, me. Okay, at the sound of their voices, the doorpost and threshold shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he has taken with the tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. That's what happened to us when we became believers and followers of Jesus. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, this is the verse that I have not read this month yet. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? This is very interesting. At this moment in time when Isaiah is having a vision of God in heaven on the throne, God says, who shall I send and who will go for us? There's a little input there of the Trinity, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Who will go for us? And I said, Isaiah said, here am I, send me. Now those are the words that every one of us need to hear. We need to hear God saying to us in the year 2020, who will go for us? Because God is still looking for people that will go for him. He's still looking for people who will share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, that Jesus died on a cross for our sins and that if we will believe in him and receive him, we will have everlasting life. Such a simple message, such a powerful word, but the truth of God's holy word. And when I realize and think about that it's a matter of receiving the message, believing the message, and receiving Christ into our life, what a horrible thing that anyone would die and not be ready to meet God. How sad, how awful that people are dying every day and going off into an eternity without Christ. They're not going to heaven. They're going to spend eternity in suffering and pain. And God doesn't want that. God doesn't intend that. And he's made away a, a gift to the lost. They don't have to earn it. They don't have to become any level of holiness. They just believe in Jesus and receive Jesus and they will be saved. How can we not give every effort that we can to sharing this good news with people that are unbelievers and, and unsaved? I don't mean you got to quit your job and go stand on a street corner right now, and we're going to get to this in a minute, but I want to tell you something. You and I, as born-again believers who have freely received Jesus as our Savior, we need to be conscious and aware every single day that God wants to use us every single day as a witness for Him. And you know what? He's probably using many of you, and you don't even know it. And we're going to get to that in a little bit. So, we need a vision. We need a vision of the lost. I like what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 and 19. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. Aren't you glad he doesn't count your sins against you? We've all sinned. It's not Adam and Eve's fault. They got it started, but we've kept it going <laughs> on our own, willingly, but Jesus Christ came and died. He does not want to count our sins. And if you're saved, he's never going to count your sins against you. I'm glad for that. That doesn't make me want to sin. That makes me want to live and appreciate him and love him more and more and more and more and be more obedient. 
And then the next verse says, so we are Christ, excuse me, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. You know, I don't want to question God, but, you know, couldn't somebody else done a better job than us? Couldn't he just had angels put loudspeakers on every corner of the earth and just start sharing the gospel with everybody and they could just stand out and hear? No, I'm not questioning God. I'm questioning me and you. You know what God has done, and he knows better than all of us. So our ideas are nothing compared to his. He's given us the privilege, the joy of being able to share this wonderful good news about Jesus with people around us and, and all over the world. And that's why I want to I preach about it. And that's why this church is such a great witnessing. Because I know many of you witness every single day intentionally. You know what you're doing. And then many are witnessing for the Lord and they don't even realize it. But people are watching your life and they like what they see because you're living the life of Christ. And that is having a witness and an, an impact upon them. And so it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. So let me get back to this scripture. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. That's what the gospel is all about. You and I being made right with God. That's what people need to know. We don't need to go out there sharing the 16 fundamental truths of the assemblies of God. We don't need to go out there and try to build the membership of this church. Even though uh, you're welcome, we would love for you to be a, a member, an official member of this church. Matter of fact, there's cards in the foyer. Today would be a good day to turn them in if you'd like to become a member. But we're not trying to get more members in this church. We're not trying to get more money in this church. We are trying to get people to come to the truth and the knowledge. Jesus saves. He can change our lives. He can change our eternal destiny. He can turn our lives around. He can give us peace and joy and hope for the future, not only in this life, but in eternity. And that's what Jesus has shared, had told us to share that Jesus saves, Jesus saves. That is the good news of the gospel. And we are made right with God because of what Jesus has done. Too many people out there in the world, you know, they look at church folks and they see our failures and our weaknesses and, and they think, oh, they're just hypocrites. Well, we're not hypocrites. We're just people who've been born again and we're trying to live right. We're trying to live for God. And they need to know that they don't have to walk through Dallas First Assembly of God to be saved that Jesus gave his life for them. I'm, I love this church, and I hope one day I look out there and there won't be one empty seat. Wouldn't that be nice? It'd be great. But what it's about more than that is people need to be saved. And when people come in, we want them to know Jesus. So we got a great message to share. And God has called us. We need a great vision for the unsaved of this world. We need to hurt for them. We need to pray for them. We need to be ready for them and to share this great news. So let me ask you this. Are we commanded by God to share the great news about Jesus? Absolutely. But we need scriptural foundation for that. I don't want you to feel that because I'm saying it. I want you to hear what God said about it. Mark 16 and 15 says, And then Jesus told them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. Just believe, and they will be saved. In Matthew 5 and 13 through 16, Jesus said, 
You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. God wants us living a life out there among unbelievers that they will see the life that we're living, that they will see the love that we are showing, that they will see the kindness and the forgiveness that we give to others. And because they see the life that we're living, they're going to think, I want to be like that. I want the life that they have. They have something that I don't have. And that's what Jesus is talking about here with the salt and the light. He's talking about in our everyday lives that we would just be such an influence not a persuader, but an influence. Just we would be bringing joy and peace, and, and we would be ready to share if anybody asks why we have this life that we're having. And so we need to remember that, that when you go out of this house today, when you go out of this church today, and you go to that restaurant or wherever you're going, go out there and be a light. Go out there and be salt. If somebody at the other table says, I need some salt, you just say, here I am. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. <laughs> You're there to bless that waitress or that waiter. You're not there to tell them what a horrible job they're doing. You're there to be a blessing to them, and they need a blessing. My wife has witnessed to so many of them just by showing kindness and, and all. She's wonderful at that. Now everywhere we go, here they come. When we walk in the door, all the waiters and waitresses say, hey, put them at my table. <laughs> and I'm saying, put me at the fastest table. <laughs> That's what God wants us to be. It's a part of our life. As a born-again believer, you're to be a witness. You say, oh, no, I'm such a failure at this. You know what? You're probably not near as much of a failure as you think. But I want us to know that this is what the Bible teaches. And if you study the book of Acts, on Sunday night, we just finished about a year of going through the book of Acts. And it's wonderful. In Acts chapter 2, and by the way, the book of Acts is the story of the beginning of the church. In Acts chapter 2, in response to the Holy Spirit being poured out on the 120, Peter stands and preaches to them that Jesus is the way of salvation. This was the beginning of what the church was all about, spreading the gospel, taking advantage of every opportunity that God gives us. So God poured out the power of the Holy Spirit upon them. They were filled with the Spirit. They were all speaking in tongues. They were speaking in languages from other nations because there was a great festival going on in Jerusalem at that time where the Jewish people who had been spread out all over the world, they would come back to Jerusalem for the Passover and uh, I believe it was the Passover one of those holidays and they were there in Jerusalem so there were people from Africa and and where Iran and and Iraq and different parts of the world what those countries were at that time they were spread out and they were all in Jerusalem for this festival and God poured out the Holy Spirit and somehow it got out among the people and a crowd of people gathered around because they were amazed because when people were speaking in tongues, it wasn't just some jibber-jabber. They were actually speaking a language of praise and worship to God. They were speaking in a language that they had not learned, and they were telling all the wonderful works of God, and all these people crowded around, and some of them are standing there with their eyes wide open. How does this guy from Galilee, who I know doesn't know my language from where I'm from, how does he know how to tell me all the wonderful works of God? So all these people standing there amazed. And then there were some people that, oh, that ain't, that ain't nothing to that. They're just drunk with wine. 
And somebody said, people don't get drunk at 9 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to think about what I'm going to say next about that. But let's just move on. There are places where people do get drunk at 9 o'clock in the morning, but they didn't at that time. And so Peter stands up full of the Holy Spirit, and what does he do? He shares the good news about Jesus. On the first day of the birth of the church, 3,000 people got saved. That's incredible. What that says to me is that's what's important to God. That's what's important to God. God, You know, I don't want to criticize what other churches do, but I think it's wonderful that some churches have been able to build some beautiful edifices to worship the Lord in. But I want to tell you something, that's not the main thing. I think it's great that churches can grow and run a 1,000 or 5,000 people. That can be wonderful, and that church can be a great church, but that's not the main thing. The main thing is that every opportunity we have, we share that Jesus died for people's sins and that if we'll believe in him and receive him, they can be saved, and when they die, they'll spend eternity with him. That's the good news. Let's go quickly through the book of Acts. Acts chapter 3, after the healing of the lame man, Peter again preaches that they should repent and be converted that their sins may be blotted out. In Acts chapter 4, Peter preaches that there is salvation in no other. In Acts chapter 7, Stephen explains the coming of Jesus through the Old Testament history. And as he is dying, he cries out to Jesus, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Even in that, he was preaching. In Acts chapter 8, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. In Acts chapter 8, later in that chapter, Philip is leading an Ethiopian eunuch and preached Jesus to him, and he was saved and baptized way out in the desert. In Acts chapter 9, after Paul's salvation, he preached Christ to them in Damascus, that he is the Son of God. In Acts chapter 10, Peter Peter preaches Jesus to the Gentiles at Cornelius' house. Acts chapter 13, Paul and Barnabas preached the gospel in Antioch. And the whole city came out to hear them. And many of these Gentiles believed. Acts 16, Paul goes to Macedonia and Lydia. And people were saved after he preached. Acts 17, Paul and Silas preaching Thessalonica, Berea, Athens, Areopagus. And there it says many believed. Acts 18, Paul preaches in Corinth and Antioch. In Ephesus, Acts 23, Paul preaches to the Jews in Jerusalem after being arrested in the temple. In Acts 26, Paul preaches about Jesus to King Agrippa. And Agrippa said that Paul had almost persuaded him to become a Christian. Mm. Can you imagine? This may not be a pleasant thought. If King Agrippa never accepted Christ as Savior, for more or less the last 2,000 years, he's been suffering And thinking, I almost became a believer in Christ. Mm. That should be a horrible thing. And that's what I want you and I to have a little bit of. I want us to think about people dying without Jesus. It's unpleasant. It's awful. It hurts. But it might be a little bit of a motivating factor for us to begin to say, God, Here am I, send me. In Acts 28, Paul is able to preach to people in Malta, the island where the people on the ship, Paul was on a shipwreck, it was a shipwreck, and they ended up on an island. Paul preached to them, Christ to them, and finally, and there's other places in Acts where it talks about this, but the point is, God's trying to give us a message. Because here's the deal the book of Acts did not end 
Read the end of chapter 28. It really didn't end. You know why? You and I are still living the book of Acts. We're supposed to be living the book of Acts. And it's still going on. But I love this in Acts 28 and 30. It says, Then Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house and received all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no one forbidding him. Now, he was in that house under house arrest. He had an ankle bracelet on, hooked up to the local cell tower. Well, it wasn't quite like that. No, he had a Roman guard. But he had some freedom. And he's waiting all this time to stand before Caesar, to be able to appeal to Caesar. And he knows that any day now they could come and get him, take him to Caesar, and Caesar could have his head cut off, which most likely eventually happened according to historians. But instead of sitting there in that house saying, bring me another lawyer, bring me somebody that's going to help me out of this situation, please pray for me that I won't die, please pray for me that I'll get released. No, he's saying, bring them on, bring them on. I want to tell more people about Jesus. I can't go to them, but you bring them to me. And that's exactly what happened. He preached the kingdom of God, teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus with all confidence, no one forbidding him. So let's get to personal witnessing. Oh, brother, personal witnessing. You mean I got to go out on the street and talk to strangers and tell them that they don't get saved, they're going to hell? I don't know about that. Well, I don't know about that either. Personal witnessing normally gives us a little bit of butterflies in the stomach or an uneasy feeling because, first of all, we don't want to approach strangers about anything. You know, that's just not comfortable. I remember years ago I needed a job and I read in the paper that if I would make nine presentations of this vacuum cleaner door to door that they would give me $900. I went to one of the meetings. I'm thinking, that ain't even my favorite vacuum cleaner anyway. And I got to go to some stranger's house. What is this, the Andy Griffin show or something? Well, you know what? We just don't like that. But you know what? There's times when God gives us opportunities and we need to take advantage of them. We need to be ready. But here's what I want you to know. Your mission field, you have a mission field. If you are saved, you have a mission field. It's your home, the people in your home, the people you work with, the people you go to school with, and people anywhere else that you might spend time with. You know what? God might have put you where you are just to be a witness to, to somebody there. It doesn't matter where you are. I'll tell you what, you can be on a cruise ship and be a witness for Christ. Amen? I hate to put you on the spot. Could you tell that story about the Bible right now? Okay. I did mean to ask her. Let's make sure this microphone is on. A wonderful opportunity that my wife took advantage of. And it's just day-to-day witnessing. I had my beach bag with me, and I had my Bible in it because I wanted to read it. For a while, and uh, then I decided I was going to go get a, a sauna. Brad and I walked up to get, and so as I was digging in my purse to find my card, some, uh, something in my heart just said I should put my Bible out on the counter so I could keep digging. And when I did, the lady said, oh, a Bible. I, I haven't seen a Bible in a long time. I just love seeing that Bible so much. It just means so much to me. And so I said, would you like to read my Bible while I go get a sauna? And she said, can I? And I said, yeah. I said, but stay here. 
I got to get it back. <laughs> and she said, thank you, thank you. And later on, she came down where I was and handed it to me and told me how much it meant to her to have a Bible in her hand. And so I think the Lord was working in her life to bring her to, back to him. Amen. And that's the kind of opportunities God gives us, and we need to be ready. You've probably had opportunities. God will give you an opportunity if you're willing and ready. And who knows what went on in that lady's life. I don't remember what country she was from, but I thought I hadn't heard of anybody say that in such a long time that hadn't seen a Bible. I think it was years. Hadn't seen a Bible. And I thought, I need to go on another cruise and take some Bibles. <laughs> All in favor, say aye. <laughs> but I want to tell you, that's what God wants us to do. I mean, it's great to have organized times of going out witnessing, but, you know, we live in a day where really door-to-door -door stuff doesn't work that well. I'm not saying don't do it if God leads you to do that, but God does give us opportunities to be a witness for him wherever we are. And that's what's so marvelous in our everyday life, whatever you're involved in, going to a ball game, having a little league, whatever it might be that you like to do. God will put you around people, and he did put you there for a purpose, and that purpose is that you can be a witness to them. Sometimes you need to say something. Sometimes, most of the time, you really don't have to say anything. God will give us those opportunities, and we need to remember when you're thinking about your job, maybe you hate your job right now. And I'm not saying don't look for a better one or another one, but maybe God put you there for a reason more than making a living to be a witness to the people around you. And you can be a great witness on the job. Even if you work in a place where they don't let you share Christ with anybody, you can be a witness to them just by the life that you're living, showing the love, showing the kindness. And you know what? It's very true that our life says more than the words that we speak. Our life will say more than the words that we speak. And it's a horrible thing when somebody's talking about Jesus all the time, but they're not living for him in front of people around them. And people, that turns people off from the gospel. They see people that are preaching the gospel or talking about Jesus or being so spiritual, and then they're hateful and unkind and hurtful and unforgiving. That is a terrible witness. Our life will say more than our words. What you do is going to be the greatest witness. It will be much more believed than what you say. You can do this by helping people out when they're in need, by being kind even when you get frustrated, by not getting even with people that hurt you, by forgiving others. Treat people with respect and concern even if they don't deserve it. Just show genuine love for the well-being of others, and that will speak louder. And you know what? With the world gone crazy and being so selfish and so sinful and so uncaring about other people, you don't find that very much, your kindness is going to shine even brighter than it ever has before. In other words, the world is darker than it's ever been, and that makes the light of Jesus shine even brighter than it ever has before. And so there's opportunities for you to just be kind, especially to people that nobody else is kind to, especially people that are a bit irritating, that people that do get in the way, the people that bother us and, and upset us. I want to tell you something. Show kindness. But at the same time, we need to be ready just in case to tell people about how to be saved. Get familiar with that. And I'm just going to give you a quick lesson, a three-word lesson, and I'm thrilled about this. I've been waiting all day to, this, to get to this point because it's so simple. Number one, believe. 
Now, if you need to expand on that, what do they believe in? They believe in Jesus. Tell them what you believed in to be saved, that the death and resurrection of Jesus. If you need to get with somebody and they need more information, you get familiar with the fact God created everything. He created Adam and Eve. They sinned against God. Our sins separated us from God, but God sent his son Jesus to pay the penalty for our sins, and he died on the cross, but he rose again. He ascended up into heaven, and he's ready to give us the free gift of eternal life. Learn what we call the Romans road. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But the gift of God, let them know this is a gift. Don't tell them your church rules or what they got to give up or what they got to quit. God will help them with that. So the first thing, I'm making something so simple, so complicated. Believe, receive. Now, the Bible doesn't even say you have to pray a prayer to be saved. Did you know that? It just says believe. But I like to throw in the word receive because that kind of indicates that we make a decision. We believe it, so we make a decision to receive it. That can be in the form of a prayer, a mental decision. And then there's a third word. This is new to me. It just came to me this morning. If it's good, I'm going to give God the praise. If it's not, blame it on me. But I said, I really was thinking this morning, I said, I, I need, there's something, another word that needs to go with this simple expression, believe, receive. So I did what any godly man would do. I went to Google. <laughs> and I said, give me a word that rhymes with receive. And it was incredible. I know God got into all the wiring and just sent the word. And you know what it was? It was the word cleave. Now, I know there's two meanings of the word cleave. They don't make sense because they, they don't go together. One is like to take a hatchet and cleave a piece of wood. Pow! But the best meaning of the word cleave is probably the meaning that you know. Hold on tight. Hold on tight. And I thought, wow, that's pretty good. It says be in close contact with. Hold together and resist separation. So first you believe the gospel. You believe what the Bible says about Jesus. And you make that decision to receive him. And then you cleave to him. That's what it's all about right there. It's cleaving to him. Not just believing, receiving, and going on your merry way. But realizing that when you receive Christ, Christ comes to live in you. And you get close to him. And that's when the journey begins. You start thinking, hey, I want to be close to Jesus. I want to know him. I want to follow him. I want to worship him. I'm going to cleave to him. I'm going to put my arms around his feet, the bloody feet that died on the cross for me, and I'm going to hold on. By faith in him, I'm going to keep on believing. I'm going to keep on seeking. I'm going to keep on getting to know him. I'm going to get in the word, and as I read and study the word of God, I am cleaving to Jesus. So that's all you got to tell him. <laughs> You know, brother, there's something, something different about you. You just got, a, a, maybe they come up and say, you got a glow about you. I've heard people say that about my wife many, many times. You just got a glow. I'm thinking, man, what about my glow? Don't I have some glow? <laughs> <laughs> they might come up to you and say, you know what? This job is falling apart. 
and you just kind of have a peace about you. Where's that peace? You know what? It may not be the glow. It may be the peace. It may that they just see you treating people nice. Maybe they see you when everybody's in the break room just ranting and raving and putting down the boss and how sorry he is and that company is so sorry and you're just sitting there with your mouth closed. Aren't you sitting there with your mouth closed? <laughs> they notice there's something different and they come up to you and say, hey, I don't, what, what is it? And I, you just say, hey, I realized one day that Jesus died for my sins. How can I get some of that? <laughs> there used to be a song. I want some of that. You just say, believe. What do I need to believe in? Jesus. Most of them already heard the message anyway. But if not, you'll be ready to tell them. Receive and cleave to him with all of your heart. We need to be great witnesses wherever we are. So I hope Tuesday when our children go back to school because get, they get the holiday day off tomorrow, go back to school saying, I'm ready to tell somebody about Jesus. I'm going to be a light in this darkness. I want to be a witness for him. I may not go to Africa or China, but I'm going to be a missionary wherever I am. And you know what? You can still do your normal routine, but let that be on your mind every single day. Let it be a part of your life. It's a great thing when you wake up in the morning to let those thoughts come. You know what? The mind is the key. And the devil's trying to fill our mind with all kind of thoughts, all kind of worries, all kind of troubles. And most of them never happen, but they get into our minds and they just bounce around in there and ruin our lives and take, away, take us away from God. And it's a wonderful thing. Instead of thinking about how big your troubles are, think about how wonderful and big your God is. Because he will keep us in perfect peace if our minds are stayed on him. Along with sharing the gospel, as we well know, the Lord told us to share the gospel around the world, around the whole world. Isn't it wonderful? Many of you give to missions every single month. You just write a check, go online, and you mark it for missions. And I want to tell you something. You are making a difference. I know you don't always see the results of what you're giving, but you're making a difference. Keep doing what you're doing. If you want to do more, go ahead. If you want to do less, forget it. Because <laughs> we want to keep spreading the gospel. We want to keep spreading the gospel. If you're not giving anything to missions, let me tell you, start somewhere. I'm telling you, start somewhere. And I mean this. If all you can give in a month to missions is $1, give that $1. Give it. Because I'm going to tell you, and I apologize in advance if this upsets you, I, I, don't think, I think every Christian ought to be given something to missions to help send the gospel everywhere. And so when you give tithe into the church, that goes for the operation of the church. When you give missions, that, every bit of that money, we don't hold on to your missions money. It leaves this church to support missionaries, to support evangelistic outreach ministries all over the world. You know, we got mission. I, I probably I just quickly wrote these down. We're supporting missionaries that go into the Philippines, China, Cambodia, Sri Lanka, Austria, Colombia, Ecuador, Israel, other Middle Eastern countries that we can't name publicly. Other countries that I probably hadn't even thought about here. We're supporting people right here in the United States that can give their full time to reaching young people on college campuses. We're supporting a lady in Macon that gives her full-time effort to getting into high schools and reaching young people in our high schools right here in Georgia. And she is doing a wonderful, wonderful job. Many of you know we're supporting people in all kinds of ministries in other countries and right here in America because it takes time, it takes effort, it takes work. And it's because you're giving that we're able to do that. 
And it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Every Christian ought to be a part of it. We're helping to support a ministry that is incredible. It is called Network 21-1. And matter of fact, we're going to show that video there in just a moment. But it's a matter, it's, it's a way of reaching people through internet evangelism, right on the internet. And people are being saved like crazy. Matter of fact, Jake, if you would go ahead and show that video because I want everybody to see the results of this incredible, incredible ministry. Estimated that there are over 4 billion people worldwide who are on the internet. If this virtual nation was an actual country, it would rank number one in population. People from all nations and territories, people like you and me, use the internet for business, news, entertainment, and social networking. But they write to us, telling us that they are also online looking desperately for help, hope, and rescue from the dilemmas of life that trouble them deeply. We must see the internet as a mission field and lead them to Jesus. Network 21.1 uses 21st century technology to communicate the first century gospel by helping people discover and grow in their journey with God. Project 100 Million was created to present the gospel to 100 million people worldwide by using the internet as a tool of the gospel. People search on Google and type their problem or issues for which they need an answer. We purchase advertising words which allows them to find Network 21.1 content more readily. We present the good news as the answer they are seeking. Journey Answers is our most viewed evangelism site and is offered in 16 languages, including the top 10 languages of the internet. It addresses life issues that are relevant in most cultures around the world, issues such as anxiety, brokenness, and insignificance. People view a video such as Journey Answers that states the issue briefly. They hear a presentation that Jesus Christ is the answer. They are directed to pray a salvation prayer, and then they are asked to click an evangelism response button and connect with us. Viewers write to us about their life issue and their evangelism response. Our team of one-to-one -one connectors will respond within 48 hours. We lead them to discipleship content to help them grow in the Lord, and then direct them to a local church where they can belong to a community of faith. Since October of 2008, over 32 million people from 242 countries and territories have viewed a Network 211 evangelism site. Over 1.5 million made an evangelism response, and over 274,000 then wrote to us in a discipleship connection. While we praise the Lord for these statistics, our hearts rejoice that the numbers represent people like you and me whose lives are changed. Shanti is a Hindu young woman who lives in Hyderabad, India with her mother. When she was 12 years old, her father died, and her mother went into a deep depression. Shanti's life took a turn for the worse. She felt that she was possessed by demons and was unable to live a normal life. Her life decision came down to either find relief from the demons by suicide, or to seek help on the internet from anyone who could provide hope. She searched on Google search and discovered Network 211's Journey Answers. Shanti watched the Journey Answers evangelism video, prayed the prayer to receive Jesus Christ as her savior, and wrote to Network 211 about her decision. The Network 211 response team in India, led by Noel Pentoni, answered her almost immediately. 
Noel contacted a local Assemblies of God pastor to make a home visit. The pastor and his wife prayed with Shanti to affirm her commitment to Christ and also shared the love of Jesus with Shanti's mother. Shanti's mother then responded by giving her heart to the Lord. We are grateful to God that a Google search in a season of desperation led to the salvation of a young woman and her mother. They are now being discipled in a local Assemblies of God church. We took the journey with them from searches to churches. People from every religion in the world are online looking for answers, truth, and hope. Together, we can introduce them to the Savior, the one who will change their lives forever. Every dollar given to Network 211 to reach the lost will result in 15 gospel presentations. $2,000 reaches 30,000 people. $100,000 reaches 1.5 million people and potentially 75,000 evangelism responses worldwide. This is your time. This is your opportunity. You can make the difference. Ask the Lord right now how many people that He wants you to reach. Amen. I didn't show that video to take an offering, but anytime you feel led to give toward that just put your offering in and market network 211 you feel free to do that but i wanted you to get a better understanding of what this ministry is because this ministry can go where missionaries cannot go this ministry can go into iran and it has gone into iran and many have been saved in iran through this ministry in china and russia and all over the world even believe it or not even in north korea even though they do everything they can to block it there are people who are hearing about Christ through this excellent ministry. And let me tell you this, this, this video is, is a little bit old. I think they said that over two, 32 million had heard the gospel. Well, as of this morning, over 38 million have had a presentation of the gospel through this ministry. Over 1,800,000 have responded that they have accepted Christ as their Savior, and they have over 300,000 what they call connections, people who are in online discipleship. And I love what they said. I don't know if you noticed this, that their goal is from search to church. Search to church. You know, why didn't I think of something neat like that? We love these rhyming words. But they start searching, and they go to journeyanswers.com, and go to that site and look it up. It is excellent. I mean, there may be something that would help you there. Believe it or not, it's excellent. So they go to there and they hear the good news about Jesus. And then they contact someone and someone contacts them back. The amazing thing is there's people all over the world that are being discipled through people here in the United States. And we don't have to learn their language. We can have a conversation with them. We just type it in in English and the computers change it into their language. And instantly they're able to hear it. So isn't it great? All this technology, while the devil is using the internet for so many things that are awful and bad, that we're able to use it for things that are wonderful and good to get the gospel out, and many people are being saved, and they also get them connected to a church, a local church, and a local pastor. And even if there's not an Assembly of God church nearby, our people that are running this ministry, they connect them with another Bible-believing church. So it's not about building the Assemblies of God, it's about building the kingdom of God. It's a wonderful, wonderful ministry. And there's so many others. I'm glad to be a part of the Assemblies of God that is doing so much to reach the world for Christ. But there are so many other churches and ministries that are. And we need to be praying for all of them that this message would go out 
and the power of the Holy Spirit. So today, I want to ask God to give us 2020 vision for those that are lost. Jesus came to save those that are lost, those that don't know Jesus, those who are unbelievers, those who have not yet heard or not yet made the decision that they wanted Christ into their lives. So the thought is, I can be a witness wherever I am, and I'm going to help send this gospel to places that I cannot be. Would you bow your head and close your eyes for a moment? Heavenly Father, I pray this morning that right now that you would speak to people in this building. Well, there may be people here right now that don't know you as Savior and Lord. That maybe they never believed. Or maybe they believed it, but they really haven't seriously received you as their Lord and Savior. And Father, I pray for any unsaved person in this building that today, right now, that they would believe what we have shared, that Jesus, you are the Savior. And that you have offered to us the gift of eternal life. And Lord, I pray that, Holy Spirit, you would draw them to Christ like never before. That they would realize that they need you. That they need to be saved. And that they need to cleave to you. And Lord, I pray for that right now. And Lord, I pray for all of us who are saved, who are believers. We thank you, God, for this wonderful gift of eternal life. That we get to know and live every day knowing that we're going to heaven one day. That we're going to live with you in the most perfect place in your presence forever and ever. And the life that you give us there is going to be wonderful and enjoyable and meaningful. It's going to be better than anything that we've experienced in this world. And God, Lord, I pray for that. We don't understand all that it's going to be. But Lord, help us to realize that our eternal life is going to be better than the best that we could ever find in this world. Lord, I pray that each one of us that have that life, that we would not be selfish, that we would just not be happy, well, I'm saved, that's all that matters, but that we would look around us at people that aren't saved, that people aren't believing, and that we would pray for them, and that we'd live a life of love before them, that they would know that we're Christians, and that they would desire what we have, and that we would be ready to share in any way at any time. And God, help this church, help all of us in this church to continue to be people that care about the unsaved around the world, that you love people in Iran just as much as you love us, that you love people who are rich as much as you love any of us, and that you love the poorest of the poor as much as you love any of us, no matter what the language, no matter what the color of skin, no matter what the religious beliefs are, no matter what the political beliefs are, that you love us all and want us to be saved. And God, let that desire that you have be planted in us that we would think about the lost pray for the lost and say to you God here am I send me Lord we thank you for this opportunity I want you to keep your heads bowed and eyes closed is there anybody here today and you've decided I want to receive Jesus as my Savior I'm not saved but today I believe that this message about him is true I want to receive him as my Savior. If that's you, would you lift your hand? And I will lead you in a prayer. Just don't want to leave this church without giving everybody an opportunity. Is there anybody here today that would say, Pastor, I am saved? But quite honestly, I must admit that I really haven't thought that much about God using me to share this gospel. 
Pastor, pray that that will become a great desire of my heart, that I'll be mindful of it, and that I'll be ready when God wants to use me. Pastor, I want to say to God, here am I, send me. If that's you, would you lift your hand right now? Not for my sake, but for yours. Praise God. Father, you've seen the hands that have gone up. And we are saying to you today, here am I, send me. Lord, send me to anybody, anywhere, anytime, in any way that you choose. Lord, help me not to be so caught up in my life that I forget that people around me need to see and hear and feel the love of Christ. And Lord, I pray that even this week you'll give us all an opportunity that we can come back Wednesday night or next Sunday and say, listen, let me tell you what Jesus has done. God, that's what we're asking you to do. Give us opportunities and save the lost. And we thank you for it and praise you for it in your wonderful name, that name that is above every name, the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? God bless you all for being here today. Don't let this message be quickly forgotten. Put it into practice, and let's see what the Lord's going to do. If you're here for the very first time, please go right in front of the sound booth, and there's going to be someone there to give you a special gift.